Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SALT Talks. My name is John Darcy. I'm the Managing Director of SALT, which is a global thought leadership forum and networking platform at the intersection of finance, technology, and public policy. SALT Talks are a digital interview series with leading investors, creators, and thinkers. And our goal on these SALT Talks is the same as our goal at our SALT Conference series, which is to provide a window into the mind of subject matter experts, as well as provide a platform for what we think are big ideas that are shaping the future. And we're very excited today to welcome a guest that covers all those three pillars uh, of SALT, finance, technology, and public policy, maybe more so than anybody in the country right now. And that's the mayor of the city of Miami, Francis X. Suarez. Uh, mayor Suarez serves as the mayor of the city of Miami. He also currently serves as the vice chair of the Miami-Dade Transportation Planning Organization, tasked with approving federally required plans and transportation policies, and as president of the Miami-Dade County League of Cities. Uh, he's the oldest of four siblings. Mayor Suarez was born into a family where, as he describes it, being socially conscious was sort of a requirement. Uh, Mayor Suarez is focusing on transportation and connectivity issues within the city and beyond, nurturing the growth of tech-based economies in the area, and by extension, job creation and international opportunities within Latin America. And if you've been on Twitter or followed the news recently, you, can, uh, you know about all the migration that's taking place from places like Silicon Valley in New York and elsewhere uh, into Miami right now. Miami's absolutely on fire. But his priorities also still include affordable housing, tackling the poverty pandemic, and reducing crime locally. Uh, he's, he graduated from Florida International University, where he majored in finance and graduated in the top 10% of his class. He graduated cum laude from the University of Florida Frederick uh, G. Levin College of Law. And prior to running for public office, Mayor Suarez founded a successful real estate firm He's also a practicing attorney with the law firm of Carlton Fields, specializing in real estate and corporate transactions. And hosting today's talk is Anthony Scaramucci, the founder and managing partner of Skybridge Capital, a global alternative investment firm. Anthony's also the chairman of SALT. We don't have an office in Miami yet, Mayor, but I don't know that that's very far away. We have an office up in Palm Beach Gardens. We're looking, uh, we're looking. We love spending our time down in Florida, think, but with, without any further ado, we don't have an office in Miami yet. That's not properly. We're going to have an office in Miami and we're looking. And I, and I hate to break it to you, but Palm Beach Gardens is Miami. Because when you go to Europe, you don't say, I live in Palm Beach Gardens. You say, I live in Miami. So everything is Miami. There you go. See that? That's like my kids. I, 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 I tell them, even though their mother was uh, Irish, they're 100% Italian, Mayor Suarez. So just so you know, that's how it works. So, so but God, well, first of all, God bless you on everything. Thank and you. I definitely wanted John to read that introduction because it is incredibly impressive. And you are building an amazing career in public service, but also you're a great American. But what ignited this public service passion in you? Well, I mean, in my case, uh, my dad, who uh, was the first uh, Cuban-born mayor of Miami, he was uh, elected mayor in 1985. He's uh, an immigrant to this country, uh, as is my mom, both exiles from uh, communist Cuba in the 1960s. Uh, my dad was a ninth of 14 uh, kids. Uh, he came to this country with nothing. Um, got was blessed to get scholarships, went to the best schools in the country, and then ran for office uh, multiple times before he was elected. He had to build up his name recognition from zero. Um, and I was fortunate enough to see him uh, uh, be mayor from 1985 to 1993 for eight years. Um, and he was a very dynamic mayor. Uh, ironically, he was actually 36 when he became mayor. I was 40 when I became mayor. So uh, we're the first father and son mayor. He was uh, the second youngest mayor in the history of Miami. I was the third youngest. But I often tell him, Dad, uh, when you were 36, you looked like you were 40, and I'm 40, and I looked like I was 36. So 
um, you know, that's that's the difference there. But uh, <laughs> well, well, I'm mayor. I'm 75. So I got if, if you need my dermatologist, I can tell you. But, you know, right now you look great. So I wouldn't do a thing. But someday you're going to need my dermatologist. So I'm going to refer to so let, let's talk a little bit about what is happening to your amazing city. You have the introduction, uh, further introduction of venture capitalists, hedge fund managers, financial professionals are migrating out of places like San Francisco and New York. It's not just pandemic related. It was happening before the pandemic. Sure. Uh, talk to us about your the vision that you have for the city, because it's an interesting one. You want it to be a home for entrepreneurs, but you also want it to be a place where there's affordable housing and there's aspirational living standards for a middle and lower income people. Tell us about that vision, sir. No doubt. And for me, I think that's really the American dream. I mean, that's what we all grew up with, right? Everybody having the dream of owning a house with a picket white, you know, white picket fence. And obviously that, that narrative has changed in terms of urban America. But the truth is that our formula for success is very simple. The first thing is we've kept taxes low. We don't have a, an income tax. We don't have a state income tax. Um, we've reduced property taxes, which is the only tax that we charge, to the second lowest level in the last 60 years. Um, so one of the things is we want our residents to keep the maximum amount of their money so that they can invest in the things that are going to create high paying jobs in our community. Secondly, we want to create the safest city in America, um, at least the safest big city in America. And for us, while other cities have defunded police, we've actually increased funding in police. We have the most police officers we've ever had in our history. We reduced crime by 25% last year. We had the lowest homicide rate since 1954, the year before. So uh, we're excited about uh, delivering on that promise because we're seeing that other cities are, are not getting it right. And, and other countries, frankly, are not getting it right. We get a lot of people from Brazil and other parts of the world uh, that are fleeing uh, uh, places where they don't feel safe. And so for us, that's important. And the third thing is we're focusing on quality of life. We realize the fundamental truth that you don't get to live yesterday again. Um, once yesterday happens, it's over. So, you know, everybody now in today's modern day economy wants to live in the best place possible. This is not a virtual background. That is not a virtual crane. That is a legitimate crane. Those are legitimate palm trees. This is a beautiful place. Uh, but we also focus on having the buffet of, of, of offerings, right? Whether it be sports or culture, we're now negotiating with an MLS team to bring MLS to Miami. We're also going to be one of two cities in America with Formula One. Uh, racing. We have obviously all the major sports teams. Um, we have a performing arts center. We have a science museum. Uh, we have a, 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 an art museum. Uh, we have uh, one of the large, largest art festivals in the world in our Basel and some of the best private uh, collections in the world as well in terms of private galleries. So, you know, Miami has really matured over the last 10 years. And now I think we have an incredible opportunity that we've really been working on for 10 years uh, to be the knowledge capital and the monetary capital of the world. And that's something that is happening because of a confluence of factors that are making this a Miami moment into a Miami movement. Mayor, Mayor Suarez, I wanna ask you a philosophical question that is weighing on my mind. Uh, places like New York and San Francisco, the executive management teams of those governments, those administrations have been combative with business, have been obstructionist to business, but have also decided that it's okay to have a proliferation of homeless people and human excrement, frankly, right there on the street. What are, why are they like that? I mean, you, you must be studying this as a public servant. Why are they like that? Why do they think that that's good? And what would the message be of what they're getting wrong and what's your philosophy? So start out with what they're getting wrong and yeah. then what you're getting right. 
so so part of my narrative, right, is that my parents were Cuban exiles, right? And so my parents came from a place, a country, where a charismatic leader um, sold them probably the biggest fraud in the history of humanity, which is that we as a government can just take over everybody's property, right? And we can deny everybody the you know fundamental human rights, and we'll just divide the property equally, and everybody will be equal, right? And that doesn't work. It's never worked in the history of humanity. All it does is, is uh, create equal misery. And I think, unfortunately, there is this uh, false notion that um, wealth or wealth creation uh, is what causes societal problems. And I think in some of these cities, there is an antagonism towards people being successful, towards working hard, uh, instead of embracing the fact that you want to, uh, in order to lift people out of poverty, you want to give people opportunity. Right. And that happens through creating high paying jobs and the creating the educational pipeline that allows people, whether they're in high school, college or, or out of college, uh, to be able to occupy those jobs. That's our philosophy. Um, and, and, and what we're seeing in terms of results is, you know, while some of these cities have, ten, you know, 30,000, 40,000 homeless, you know, how many homeless the city of Miami have, according to the last census, 555. OK, 555. And we're actually coming out with a plan, hopefully soon, which we call functional zero which is we want to end up being the first city in America, the first major urban city in America that has zero homeless. Um, and that's something that we're focusing on. Um, like I said, we've reduced crime by 25%. Um, we've invested in our police department. They've gone in the opposite direction. And I think um, they really need to understand that um, people can, I mean, in today's day and age, they're not even tethered. People are not tethered to their city with, with remote work, with all the stuff that we're doing right now. I mean, right now we're on Zoom and, and doing this interview. Um, there are more offerings and options than people have ever had in the history of humanity. And all they have to do is leave and that's it. And now places like Miami that before were kind of seen as a fun and you know, fun place and place where you could retire are now seen as a, as a real player in the knowledge-based economy and the innovation economy. And, and my, my role is not just to attract those people and to juxtapose the F Elon Musk and let's push Amazon out of, out of New York with a, how can I help? Which, is, which was my viral tweet in response to uh, Delian from Founders Fund saying, hey, what if we move uh, Silicon Valley to Miami, right? I just said, you know, uh, how can I help? That's it, it was that simple. Uh, government as a facilitator uh, versus like you said, government as an obstructor. Well, I think the tagline, how can I help, is gonna be, uh, is gonna be with us a long time, Mayor Suarez, because of you. I wanna talk about the decisions being made around COVID-19, get your reaction to those decisions. Uh, uh, governor DeSantis has had a different philosophy, say, than uh, uh, the governors of California and New York. How do you feel about the COVID-19 situation? I know that you went through COVID and your family did as well. Thank God that you're well. You look you look well. Thank God. I'm very um, fortunate. Yeah. What, 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 do you, what do you say about the philosophy and about the intersection of an open economy and the restoration of the economy, but also being worried about the health and safety of your citizens. Look, it's, there, there's no doubt that, um, you know, COVID presented a, a tremendous challenge for leaders across the country. I think the problem was that it became hyper-partisan, number one. I think number two, there was a false narrative. And the false narrative was that you either cared about people's lives or you cared about the economy. And that's not true. You know, I mean, all public officials should care about both things, right? You should care about doing the maximum amount that you can to protect people while at the same time preserving people's ability to, to, uh, to provide for their families. Because let me tell you something, getting sick and passing away is a tragedy. 
But not being able to feed your family, not being able to pay your rent, not being able to pay your mortgage is a tremendous tragedy as well. You know, these are these are, you know, degrees of suffering that we should never as leaders have to confront in terms of a juxtaposition. And, you know, the governor took a lot of heat uh, for some of the decisions that he made. But at the end of the day, there's two things that I think are true. Number one. It's inevitable that it helped Miami. That's for sure. In terms of, you know, the fact that we were open with a lot of these cities were closed. We became an option, right? Where people came and they realized, hey, wait a second, things are not that bad here, right? Um, you know, we had, I think, less per capita deaths than some of the states that you cite. Um, and and then and then the second part is that, uh, you know, now with remote work, uh, you realize that you could come to a different place and you wouldn't even lose your job. You could be physically anywhere you wanted to be without even losing your job. And when they when people came to Miami, they realized that the density of talent, the density of capital was significantly greater than what they thought. And they also realized that Miami had changed. I mean, Miami has is, is a radically different city than it was 10 years ago. It's a radically different city than it was 10 years before that. Um, and we're one of those cities that's just on like that, like that crane behind us. We're on one of those uh, exponential growth curves. Yeah, but we want the crane to be going the other way for purposes of our Zoom call. We've got it going up in this direction. And I, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. If I looked at your Wikipedia page, it says you're a Republican. Yeah. Um, the Republican Party seems like it's uh, re-identifying itself. And so are you a Republican uh, in terms of the way the Republican Party is now re-identifying itself? Um, and then the secondary question is, you seem to be a leader that's more focused on right or wrong as opposed to left or right. So what is your recommendations, assuming you're still a Republican, what's the recommendations to the uh, GOP? So I'm still registered a Republican. Um, and I, I do think that, and, I'm, and I'll give you a quote from a friend uh, who's a mayor, uh, who's actually a Democrat, um, uh, the mayor of, of uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, Bill Peduto. And he once told me, you know, in America, Mr. Mayor, there's three parties. There's Republicans, there's Democrats, and there's mayors, you know, and, and you know, I think, I think there's some truth to that. You know, mayors see the world differently. We're kind of like engineers. You know, we see the world as problem solution, problem solution. We don't really care that much about where it originated or how it originated or who's to blame for it or, or what party has you know, the, 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 the solution. All we care about is solving the problem. So when there's flooding, I have to solve that. When, you know, when there's a civil disturbances, I have to be in the forefront of that. We don't, I don't have the luxury of being able to you know, make things partisan. And so I think you know, one of the reasons why in this presidential election and, and the previous one, you saw mayors uh, starting to ascend in in sort of the um, in the in the political spectrum of, of potential presidential candidates is in part because we do th- we do things differently we see things differently we talk differently and I think that uh, it, it really appeals to people because it, it's not about um, you know it, it's not life lived through a a binary prism right it's life lived through through a problem solution prism and I think that like you said it's more of a of a truth false narrative. And I think that, that that cuts through. And that's why I'm able to go on a variety of different shows and, and people know me as a straight talker. And sometimes I roast people the wrong way, by the way. And and, and I don't do it intentionally. I'm just trying to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I've never rubbed anybody the wrong way. I mean, you'll find that about my person. I'm a very easygoing guy, not polarizing at all. Uh, so I, I've never, I, I wouldn't understand how you could rub anybody the wrong way. Uh, let's talk about Bitcoin for a second, Mayor Suarez. Uh, 
you are a revolutionary when it comes to Bitcoin or an evolutionist, I should say. And obviously, you probably know this, but it's worth noting Skybridge Capital, our firm, the firm that I founded, has over a half a billion dollars in Bitcoin. Wow. I have attended the Miami Bitcoin conferences in the past. I will be one of the keynote speakers in June at the upcoming Bitcoin Miami conference. Tell us about your and the city's fascination with Bitcoin and why are you so gung-ho? You know, I've been following Bitcoin and the blockchain for a while. I um, uh, was part of a, a team that tried to do the first tokenized transaction uh, of real estate in Miami. Um, I'm on the block, Florida Blockchain Foundation and I was on uh, and I am on the Florida Blockchain Task Force appointed by the CFO of Florida. So all that work predates uh, my latest positions on Bitcoin. When I <clears throat> when I um, began talking about tech at this volume level, right, and, and was getting national attention about it, I very quickly realized that there was a subpopulation of people in the crypto community space that were extremely um, positive, that were paying attention, um, that were very bullish on the technology. And it, it made me realize that if we want to be an innovative city, we have to be on the cutting edge of new technologies. And so what I did was I presented to the city commission a resolution, which did three things. One, it allowed for our, our employees to get, per, to get paid a percentage of their salary in Bitcoin if they so choose. It, invi- it allowed for our residents to get paid, uh, to, I'm sorry, to pay uh, fees and taxes potentially in Bitcoin if they so choose. And it allowed us to study the possibility of investing a portion of our treasury as a hedge in Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, for me, I think that creates a narrative about the city of Miami that we are innovative, that we want to push the envelope, that we believe that, um, you know what I mean, that that we don't always have to be playing by the the normal set of rules. And I think that's, that's given us a, gotten us a lot of attention. I've got one last question for you, Mira. Then I have to turn it over to our resident millennial with the good blonde hair. We're trying to get the ratings up here. So, I got you. you know, my last question is about public school education in Miami, yep. in your jurisdiction. Yep. You, you have uh, no state income tax. Property taxes in Miami are, I would qualify them as reasonable. You tell me if I'm wrong, but they look right. reasonable on a per capita, per resident basis. Sure. So tell me about what you're doing in the public school area that's yielding such high quality public schools, uh, given that dynamic. Sure. Well, first of all, we have a great superintendent. Our superintendent won superintendent of the year. Uh, he was actually tried to be hired by uh, the city of New York, um, and that didn't quite work out for New York. <laughs> well, there's no there's no palm trees up here in New York. I mean, he kind of, he kind of left them at the altar, but uh, but but it's all good. And uh, and so and we also won the Broad Prize for the best school system in the in the nation as well. Um, we have the fourth largest public school system in America, and you know we we're just a, a community of entrepreneurial people, of, 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 of people who put a premium on education, of parents who put a premium on our children being educated, because that's how we were all successful. So we're still working, by the way, with the public school system on making sure that our K through 12 curriculum is the best curriculum for a modern day economy, for an innovation economy, a knowledge based economy. And so we want to make sure that coding, robotics, uh, you know, all, all the things, uh, data analysis and science are all being taught at our at our schools. And that's something we're very intentional about, because, as I said, as we create this ecosystem, we want to make sure that uh, the children of our, every single child in our community has an opportunity uh, to be successful and to occupy one of those jobs. John Dorsey, Mayor Suarez, 
All right. I've been chomping at the bit. We'll get right into it. Uh, Mayor, you're also, as I read in the bio, the vice chair of the Miami-Dade Transportation Planning Organization. Uh, you've led several initiatives to improve mobility in Miami. It's a city that's grown very quickly, but also uh, you know, maintain the ability to get around without being stuck in traffic for uh, five hours the way it is in some cities. And Austin being another destination that I think people are, are leaving Silicon Valley and moving there that, that's suffering from rapid growth. How have you been able to do that uh, from a transportation mobility perspective? You recently toured Elon Musk's tunnels uh, for the boring company. What innovative ways are you thinking about in Miami uh, to, to improve quality of life by maintaining that level of mobility? Every single one. <laughs> uh, you know, we start with, uh, we're building in our transit nodes. So instead of trying to figure out how to make transit go to the people, we, we bring people to the transit that already exists. And it's a shockingly simple idea, right? Is you actually build buildings where there's transit station, which is called transit-oriented development. We've been doing that very successfully in the city for the last five years. Um, we're creating uh, neighborhoods that are self-contained. So we're doing it sort of uh, around the concept of a 15-minute walkable city, where every neighborhood has every all the amenities that you would want to have that you could walk to. Uh, so you don't need to use a car. Obviously, there are uh, macro innovations uh, like micro mobility, which is we have a scooter uh, a scooter program. We have a free trolley system um, in the city. And we also have, you know, a variety of different, uh, you know, we have a bus system, we have a, a metro rail system. I mean, those are the things that all major cities uh, presumably have. But I think the last thing is we are getting a foothold because we want to be a technological and forward thinking city in transportation technology. So like you talked about it, we're touring, uh, um, you know, the boring company, actually their representatives are coming tomorrow uh, to Miami. Uh, to, to, to look at some of the engineering specs on some of our potential projects. Uh, I'm actually going, uh, it was actually the Fort Lauderdale mayor that I sent up uh, to, uh, to, to Las Vegas. I'm actually going on the 18th. So I'm going up uh, to see their, their tunnels up there. Um, we're also looking at, um, you know, uh, urban air mobility, which is a, another big uh, a potential technological way of getting people across the city. So I want to talk about climate change for a second. Obviously, a lot of people are moving down to Miami. First of all, they haven't experienced maybe a, a Miami summer, so we'll see how they, they deal with that, although I think it's, it's perfectly manageable. Um, but also climate change is something that's top of mind for people. We've seen increasing uh, prevalence of hurricanes that have devastated different areas of the country and, and Puerto Rico. We haven't seen any you know, real direct hits on Miami that have, that have incurred massive damage, but how are you thinking about adapting the city to a world where we're gonna have rising sea level sure. uh, and, and increasing preponderance of hurricanes? Uh, in a few different ways. First of all, um, you know, most people don't know some of the facts, which is that New York has actually suffered more damage from, from hurricanes than Miami has in the last 10 years. That's just something that, that people don't often know. Um, but the second thing is Miami is the most wind resilient city on the planet. This building that I'm in right now is a Pan Am seaplane hangar from the 1950s. And this building has hurricane windows. That ain't coming uh, down. No, sir. That's that's retrofitted. So we're, we're the most we're already the most wind resilient city on the planet. There is no doubt that we are hardened for uh, 200 mile per hour hurricanes plus which by the way are far less dangerous than of course wildfires and earthquakes that you can't predict, right? But in the case of, uh, of us, we're, we have invested in resiliency. We have a program called Miami Forever and it is what it, what it says, right? Which is we, we have a $200 million resiliency package of rising seawalls, urban reservoirs, uh, pump systems, uh, you know, backflow preventers, a variety of different uh, engineering techniques that we have uh, implemented to adapt to climate change. We're also getting in the mitigation game. We have a, 
a carbon neutrality plan that we're going to um, unveil on Earth Day this year. Uh, I'm on a global council on adaptation. The only mayor in the United States, only one of two mayors in the world that's on that council. I'm the vice chair of the council. And, uh, and I was a, the, the chair of the Environment Committee for the U.S. Conference of Mayors. And I'm going to be now in January, the president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors. So I'm going to be the president of all the mayors in the United States. So that's a huge honor for me. It gives me a tremendous platform to talk about uh, these important issues. So SoftBank, I, I saw a tweet recently from Marcelo Clore. He said they, they invested $100 million or, or pledged to invest $100 million into the Miami tech ecosystem. There's a lot more uh, ammunition coming behind that. What's the impact of large asset allocators like a SoftBank coming in? I know a group out of Dubai also pledged uh, several hundred thousand Bitcoins or tens of thousands of Bitcoins also to cultivate Miami as a, as a digital assets hub, as Anthony referred to. But what is that doing to the local tech ecosystem? What type of founders are, and people are you seeing gravitate to Miami as a result of you know, greater capital? Every, everybody. I mean, there's anybody isn't coming. I mean, you know, like you said, Marcelo, uh, SoftBank already had a presence here, but they, they initiated this $100 million Miami initiative uh, to sponsor companies that are coming here and or already uh, that are founded here or already were coming here. Um, you have Blackstone, you have Starwood, Colony Capital, um, you know, you have uh, Microsoft. Uh, the list really goes on and on. Uh, Keith Rebois, Peter Thiel. Um, I mean, it's just it's just a, a nonstop flow of people that are coming here. Uh, uh, Orlando Bravo from Toma Bravo. It's a seventy billion dollar fund. Um, the amount of capital that is uh, coming to Miami from both different places um, is unprecedented. And what's interesting about it is that nowhere in in the world, in the history of the world, right, has the confluence of investment banks, banking, hedge funds, private equity come to combine with. VCs, you know, and, and founders, that's never happened. So the, their business models are completely different and they don't interact because they're in different parts of the, of the U.S. They're both coming here, which is going to create a, a, a pool of capital that has never been deployed in the way that it's going to be deployed in Miami in the future. Last question. So back into politics for a minute, but it's really not a question about politics. So again, I wouldn't have known whether you were a Republican or a Democrat unless I read your bio, right? I don't, I don't think you come across as being partisan in any way. How do we take that mentality, taking the quote that you offered from the Pittsburgh mayor about the fact that we have Republicans, Democrats, and mayors? Why do we, how do we get to the point where we have Republicans, Democrats and presidents or leaders at the federal level that think in terms of common sense and pragmatism as opposed to partisanship. We got to start electing people like me. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, I think at the end of the day, really, you ha- we have to, as voters, our criteria has to change, right? R- rather than having somebody who um, speaks only to a certain audience, right? I think w- when you think about trans, you know, uh, transformational leaders or, 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 leaders, or leaders that transcend time, they're the kind of leaders that can speak to anyone. I mean, when I think of Ronald Reagan, when I was young, when Ronald Reagan spoke, everybody listened. It didn't matter whether you were Republican, whether you were independent, whether you were a Democrat. When he spoke, his command, his presence, the way he articulated things, the words he chose, obviously he had an amazing speechwriter, Peggy Noonan. But, you know, I mean, you had somebody that can captivate anybody. It didn't matter what you were. There wasn't even a competition because it wasn't about party. It was about America. It was about American exceptionalism. It was about, you know, this being the most important uh, freedom loving uh, country in the world and understanding what our values are. I think we get back to our values and we get back to debates about 
how to solve problems as opposed to, you know, the Republicans feel this way about one thing and the Democrats feel this way about another thing, or this is a Republican issue or a Democratic issue, which is kind of silly. You know what I mean? Especially when you yep. think of the important things like climate change and, and, and some of the things that we've talked about in this show, um, they're not partisan issues. They're really about a problem that we have to solve. Amen, brother. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Anthony. Uh, we're going to let the mayor go here, but just want to give you a chance. No, I, to just say, wanna, uh, I just want to say thank you, Mayor. We're, we're, uh, we're doing these live events at some point. Again, we'd love to have you at one of them so that you could uh, uh, expose. Uh, I, I'm afraid to invite you to New York City, though, because I still live here. I'm afraid you're going to suck the whole city out of here, you know. You're totally capable of doing it. But, yeah, but yeah. anyway, congratulations on everything yeah. that you're doing, sir. Uh, we're so grateful as citizens of the United States and friends of Miami to have you in public service. And we appreciate your time here today on Salt Talks. Thank you so much. Likewise. OK, be nice. well, Take Francis. Care, Thank well. you. Bye -bye, you were terrific. Thank you, man. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to today's Salt Talk with Mayor Francis X. Suarez of the city of Miami, uh, which is going through a moment. But as, as the mayor said, they're trying to turn that into a long-term movement. And uh, I wouldn't bet against them uh, being successful in that endeavor. Just a reminder, if you missed any part of this Salt Talk or any of our previous Salt Talks, you can access our entire archive on salt.org, our website, backslash talks. Uh, and you can also sign up for all of our future talks there as well. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of our episodes are there for free for you to view. It's called Salt 2. We have a growing subscribership there. We appreciate everybody engaging on our uh, videos on our YouTube channel. We're also on social media. We're most active on Twitter at Salt Conference, but we're also on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook and are doing more and more on each one of those outlets. So please follow us there and please spread the word about these Salt Talks. But on behalf of Anthony and the entire Salt team, this is John Darcy signing off from Salt Talks for today. We hope to see you back here soon.